Good morning, New Hope. Great to be with you as we start this new year, as we start uh, this new series, Finding Our True Selves. Nazrudin is a famous character in old Middle Eastern, Greek, and Russian folk tales. And in one story, he was approaching the door of his house one night when he suddenly realized he had lost his key. And so he tried to look around for it, but the night was so dark he could hardly see the ground. So he got down on his hands and knees and examined the ground where he was standing, but it was still too dark. So he moved back a few feet under the light of of the lampstand and began to have a thorough examination of the ground around there. A little while later, a friend of his was walking by and and asked him what he was doing. He told him he was looking for his key, so his friend joined him and and started looking with him. And after a little while, the friend asked him, uh, do you remember where you might have lost the key? And he said, certainly, in my house. Why are you looking for it out here? The light is much better. I think uh, much of uh, many of us, if we're honest, can act like Nazrudin. We're searching for a missing spiritual key, but we tend to look for it outside of ourselves where it seems easier to search. But the key is inside, even in the dark. And because of insecurity, because of false images of ourselves, we we resist honest soul-searching and examining things deep inside. Yet God invites us on a journey of self-discovery, a journey to know him more and more and to embrace our true selves. In this series, we're going to be tackling four different versions of the self. Today, we're talking about the gospel self, and then we'll talk about the examined self, the soul-filled self, and finally, the rediscovered self. Here's our big idea for today. In order to find our true selves, we need to follow the example of Christ and die to our false selves, which is anything outside of God's will and identity for us. And this happens when we're honest enough to face any sin, shame, fears, insecurities that help make up our false selves. Follow along as I read our scripture for today, found in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. The scripture for today. First of all, there is the tie of knowing God and knowing self. In a world that's all about self-fulfillment, Jesus' call to self-denial here seems confusing in trying to find our true selves. And yet Christian spirituality has much to do with the self, not just with God. The goal of the spiritual trans of the goal of the spiritual journey is transformation of the self. And 
as prominent theologians throughout the ages have said, like John Calvin and Augustine and others, this requires knowing both ourself and God. Both are necessary to discover our true identity as those who are in Christ, because the self is where we meet God. John Calvin, in the opening words of his Institutes of the Christian Religion, says, There is no deep knowing of God without a deep knowing of self, and no deep knowing of self without a deep knowing of God. Pretty connected, aren't they? Augustine's prayer, Grant, grant Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. And the great desert father and author Thomas Merton put it so well, There is only one problem on which all my existence, my peace, and my happiness depend, to discover myself in discovering God. If I find him, I will find myself. And if I find my true self, I will find him. A great little book that that kind of is a a pamphlet for this series is uh, written by David Benner, and it's called The Gift of Being Yourself. The Sacred Call to Self-Discovery. It's about a hundred pages, a little more than a bathroom read, but it's, it's a small little book, and it's a wonderful journey on this. How do we know God? How do we know ourselves and our false selves and our true selves? And I highly recommend it as something maybe you want to order and, and read along in this series as we go on this journey to find our true selves. Whereas the false self is formed in opposition to God's love and God's way, David Benner reminds us, there is no true life apart from relationship to God. Therefore, there can be no true self apart from this relationship. So clear, so profound, there is no self without relationship with God. And I love this because Many times in Christian circles, there can be false humility and we beat ourselves up. Oh, we just need to know God. No, in knowing God, we get to know this true self that is loved by God. And yet, because of our fallen self, we so often need to follow Christ's call to die to ourselves in order to receive his glorious life and love. Let me give an example of why it's so important that knowing God and knowing self come together. When you think of the glory of God, what do you think about? I think if most of us are honest, if we think about the glory of God, we think about the holiness of God, we think about our great creator who is transcendent, who's way out there, who's created the world, who has omnipotent power. And yet just as important of the glory of God is his relentless, never-ending, immeasurable, pursuing love for us. That is the glory of God. That is the story of the gospel, that he sent Jesus to come and save us. And so if we get to know this glory, if we get to know that love of God, it transforms us. It saves us. His life saves us, not just transactionally. It transforms us more and more into our true selves. And so there's an incredible tie between knowing God and knowing self. Secondly, let's talk a little bit more about the lie of the false self. Ever since Adam and Eve chose a way of doing and being apart from God's will and God's way, 
We've been struggling with false selves ever since. The core of that lie that they believed from the serpent was that they could be like God without God. And everything that is false about us arises from the the belief that our deepest happiness will come from a life in a way that is not God's way. Isn't that why we Photoshop our pictures? I love the people that always say, photos add another 10 pounds, you know. I mean, we, we believe that there's a better version outside of ourselves. There's a better version out there somewhere because we don't believe that we are made in God's image, that we are his beloved children. We believe the lie of a false self, that there's something out there outside of God's creation that will make us better, impress others more. And much like Satan's temptation to Eve in the garden, we've talked about the parallel, the three same temptations, the three deep idols that he presented to Jesus at his temptation in the desert. And yet Jesus resisted the temptations of the false self, the lies of power and prestige and possessions, otherwise known as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of possessions. And Jesus instead, here and throughout Scripture, chooses to firmly anchor his identity as the Father's beloved Son. And David Benner shows us how these three deep idols are are crucial to the creation and the maintaining of our false selves. He says this, This brings us back to the core of the false self, placing my value in what I have, what I can do, and what others think of me. If you think about besetting sins or sins that usually trip yourself up or issues in identity, don't they often come back to one or all three of these lies? What I have, what I can do, and and what others think of me. We so easily tap into those core issues that make up the false self of identity, of worth, of belonging. But these are the false self. And the true self that God has called us to receive and to grow in is knowledge of him, acceptance of his love, and discovery more and more of our true selves. When we know who we are, God's beloved children, like Jesus, we can resist the lies of the three deep idols and not place our value in what we have and what we can do and what others think of us. But because of our fallen nature and the prevalence of our false selves, the first part of this journey in finding our true selves is following Jesus' invitation to die to ourselves and to receive this gospel self. He says again in the scripture, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus talks about self-discovery as self-sacrifice. He says, what good is it to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? 
And in that, in that he shows, gain the whole world, forfeit your soul, the value of our soul. Our soul is the connecting place with God. And so don't give that up for any idols. Don't give that up for anything that is false. God values us. God loves us. He wants to meet with us. Like the song says, he wants to be, us to be a vessel for him to come in and to flourish and to bless the world. The whole purpose of why we do the Daniel fast every year is, is because, hey, it's not popular, it's not easy, but there is great worth in denying ourselves something in order to, to walk through the process and, and to do some searching and say, are there things I'm attached to? Are there idols that I'm holding to more than God? And in bringing, giving up temporarily some things that we like, some sweets or, or whatever it is, we can find more of this true self and more of this identity and more of this connection and experience with God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was an amazing pastor and author during the Holocaust. And he, he resisted Hitler and, and died in a concentration camp real shortly before the West brought liberation. But he lived out this call to follow Jesus, no matter the cost. He said this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And that's what Jesus calls us to, to die to ourselves. To receive the true self, the gospel self. And the central symbol of fighting the good fight of the kingdom of God is not the sword, but it is the cross. And sometimes we can look at the cross as just something that's happened, something that's happened in history to bring our freedom. But John Mark Comer gives us a wonderful challenge to not just let it be a symbol of history. He says, many followers of Jesus don't yet realize that the cross isn't just something Jesus did for us. It's also something we do with him. Even in church traditions with a high value for their interpretation of Jesus' death on the cross is often more transactional than transformational. Jesus didn't die so we don't have to. He died to teach us how to die, how to follow him through death and into life. But when we do die to the false self, we glean a glorious gift in the gospel self. What many of the spiritual giants throughout church history have called the exchanged life. Galatians 2.20 says it so clearly. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Do you get that exchange? Our sin for his righteousness. Our false self for the true self that he gives us. This is the glorious gift of the gospel. The gospel self, it's all about Jesus. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The sinful, ego, pride-filled, false self was nailed to the cross. And yet our old man, as Luther said, is a good swimmer. When we get baptized, he likes to stick around 
And so we have to continually die to that self and say, Jesus, more of you. Jesus, it's all about you. Would you make that exchange in my life? I want to die to myself so I can be filled with your perfect love. John Bunyan is famous for writing the Christian allegory, Pilgrim's Progress. At one point, it was the second most read book besides the Bible. But he wrote many other great books in theology and the deep love of God. And and Bunyan had this great exchange moment, this, this breakthrough in the spiritual life, the gospel self. One day when he was walking through a field and this sentence fell upon his soul, thy righteousness is in heaven. And he said with the eyes of his soul, he saw Jesus Christ at God's right hand. And he said, there was my righteousness. So whatever I was or whatever I was doing, God would not say of me, he wants my righteousness for it was right before him. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit presented to him that Jesus was made to him righteousness, holiness, wisdom, and redemption. And with delight he could say, Now did my chains fell off, my legs indeed. I was loosed from my afflictions and irons. My temptations also fled away. Oh, methought Christ, Christ, there was nothing but Christ was before my eyes. This is the invitation that awaits us all to be found in Christ, our true self. If we're willing to surrender and to confess and die to our sins and everything that makes up our false selves, we can receive the exchanged life. Our righteousness is in heaven. It's not about us. It's all about him. So welcome to this journey of finding our true selves. As I was preparing for this series over the holidays and and looking forward to this four-week series, I was overwhelmed by God's goodness and God's faithfulness as I looked back over my journey and and those rougher parts of dying to ourselves and, and dying to pride and I love that the Christian journey is a lifelong journey because I sure haven't arrived. But God is so faithful to give us this gift to know him and to know our true loves, our true selves. He's so good. And much of my life has been kind of on this journey of knowing him and knowing a true self and and humbled to, to walk through that process. But I invite you in this season, take time to know him. Take time to to look up to him and to his glory. And not just that he's holy, but his glory that he loves us with perfect love. And nothing of what we do keeps him from loving us. Makes him question, oh man, do I really love that person? 
Get to know him. And take that look inside and say, God, examine me and show me things of my false self. Show me the pieces of my true self. As we start the Daniel fast, Justin mentioned it. Uh, Here's the devotional. And people will give it to you on your way out today. 21 days and great devotional, great way to wake up and have a word of God, a scripture, and some amazing stories and testimonies from our staff all on this theme of finding our true selves. Take advantage of the fast. Take advantage of an opportunity to say no to some good things so we can receive the great things of God's love for us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Lord, we, we bow before you and we thank you. Lord, that that you invite us to know you and you invite us to know ourselves. And we thank you, God, that your greatness and your glory doesn't diminish us. We thank you that we're made in your image. We thank you that we're saved by grace. We thank you that it's all about you, Jesus. So would you do this work, Lord? Would you transform us by your grace and by your glory more and more? into the beloved children that you've made us to be. Father, we pray for your leading, your speaking, your your surgery work on us, whatever needs to go and be removed so we can be filled more and more with you. Father God, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. We thank you for this invitation. We thank you for your greatness. We thank you for your love for us. Have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.